Good afternoon, and welcome to Everybody, the podcast which shares stories that highlight people in life, that make the world an interesting place, which ultimately ties us all together in unique and wonderful ways. And who am I, you might ask? I would be the head wrap socialite, wife, mom, micro-influencer in the fashion and etiquette world. But on this podcast, I will be introducing you to some people who I've had the opportunity to meet along my journey, who have helped enrich me in my life in beautiful ways, and who I hope will do the same in yours. Today's episode, we have Mike S., father, yoga teacher, actor, director, theater educator, world traveler, and so much more. I met Mike several months ago when after a few years of solo yoga practice, I decided on a whim to try a mid-morning yoga class. And halfway through the practice, I felt at home. And I felt something deep within my soul that the universe had placed me there to learn more about who I was supposed to be on my journey. So I'd like to introduce you all to my yoga teacher, Mike S. Welcome to the program, Mike. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. (laughs) So Mike, can you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are? Absolutely. Um, I'm originally from Colorado, the Denver area. I grew up in the suburbs of Denver and, you know, solidly middle-class family. Uh, My parents were both educators. Mm -hmm. My father was a elementary school principal. My mother was um, a high school teacher. She also was substitute taught at many different levels. She was also kind of a stay-at-home mom. While the four of us were growing up, she did a little bit of both teaching and staying at home with us. Mm -hmm. I um, was always kind of informed and guided by that household of growing up with educators. Mm -hmm. Uh, School was always very important in our family. And uh, going on to college was never uh, a question in our house. Right. Um, My father's father had never got to go to college and all three of his boys, my, my father mm-hmm. being one of them, they all three got to go to college, wow. which was a huge deal mm-hmm. for, for that family. My mother, the same way my mother's parents, you know, they operated a farm in Ohio and all of their children went to college. Wow. Um, so I went to college at university of uh, Colorado at Boulder. Mm-hmm. I got a degree. Uh, it's a bachelor of fine arts in acting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, conservatory training program for professional actors. I I thought I was going to be a professional actor, you know, once I left university. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did that for a while. But then, uh, you know, I had a lot of other interests as well. I was introduced to yoga when I was in college. Mm -hmm. That was the first time I did some yoga. Okay. That was with one of my professors. She just took us through a bunch of movements with breathing. And she didn't call it yoga. She did call it a sun salutation. Okay. (laughs) And, um... And I learned later, like a few years later, I was like, oh, that's what we were doing. Ah. We were doing yoga. And a friend of mine, Courtney, she was kind of the first one of my friends that went and got yoga teacher trained. Okay. And I went to her yoga class at a 24-hour fitness studio, which is like, you know, one of those big gems. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that was where I first started going to an actual yoga class. Okay. Um, I took from other yoga teachers as well in Denver area and continued to act a little bit and teach. I taught at a science museum in Denver Wow. for many years, off and on for like 10 years mm-hmm. as an actor and as an educator. I performed in a lot of different science-based either plays or demonstrations to just tens of thousands of school children and visitors to the museum. And... Did children's theater in Denver mm-hmm. and did some professional dinner theater wow. stuff. And then I I traveled to New York and I was, I don't know, about 24. Okay. And so I thought, well, I want to give it a shot there right. in the New York acting scene. Mm-hmm. And I was actually only there for about a year and a half. I met this woman through a friend mm-hmm. and we were dating while I was living out there. And she was going to go get her master's degree in acting. Mm. And she got into a program in Detroit, Mm. Michigan, at Wayne State University. And, you know, we were in love and everything. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, I think I'll go with this girl. So I did. Um, So I followed this woman to her graduate program. So I went, I left New York. And I always wonder, like, how different my life would have been if I would have if I would have chosen a different path mm, at that point. Mm-hmm. Now, at this time, I was still doing yoga, okay. going to studios in New York City. Okay. Needless to say, <laughs> we got to Detroit, and she was immersed in her in her Master of Fine Arts program. Okay. And I was waiting tables mm. and not loving life. I was going to say that's a hard life, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, going from New York City, where it's like a bustling metropolis, yeah. and it's just like so much culture and different people and... And then going to one of the, one of the most segregated cities in America, mm. and you know, very depressed economy, yeah. just burnt out buildings. Mm. And, you know, like if you go to parts of Detroit near Wayne State University, which is right downtown, <laughs> you there are certain blocks that you don't yeah. walk. You know, mm-hmm. walk down. Um, I mean, I was only there for two months, and my car was broken into twice. Oh my goodness! While I lived there. Um, so at some point, did you just say, you know what, just leave the car open and just say, here, here you go. That's what they told me. That's what people do there. They, they just say, you leave your car unlocked because uh-huh. you're tired of getting your window busted. Yep. And, you know, you let people rifle through your things. That's you don't it. leave anything valuable. And then that's it. You know, they're just looking for something quick to steal. Yeah. I didn't stay in Detroit for long. I, a friend of mine was traveling in Japan. Mm. As a teacher. So, you know, there's a lot of Americans that have an opportunity to to work for a Japanese company. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different ones right. that you can apply for. And then, you know, you can get a job. And I talked to my friend Eric, and he's like, you should check it out. Mm-hmm. And I started looking for interviews, and there was an interview in Chicago. Okay. And so I told my girlfriend, I'm leaving. I have a job interview in Chicago, and I'm going to go to Japan. And it's like I dropped the ball. It's like woman. exactly. She <laughs> was just like, jaw dropped open. She had no idea that I was thinking about this. Yeah, because she was so immersed in her. She stuff. was so into her program. I was just like doing my thing. We were like ships in the night. You know, yeah. it was just like the relationship was just really degrading. Mm-hmm. So I I got the job, and then I went back to Denver. I still had a few months before I was going to go to Japan, mm-hmm. and. Meanwhile, still doing yoga all this time, wow. you know, just finding studios wherever I was, still right. practicing yoga. And around that time when I was kind of in Denver before I was heading out to Japan, mm-hmm. my future wife uh, walks through the door of my friend's apartment building in 
in Boulder. I was hanging out oh. with my friend Alan and, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's Michelle Pow Pow walks through the door and I hadn't seen her in years. Mm-hmm. And we we met each other doing Colorado Shakespeare Festival in Boulder. Interesting. And so I knew who she was. I knew okay. like we all had mutual friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out it was her apartment. My friends were just living with her. Because <laughs> 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 I said, what are you doing here, Michelle? And she said, what are you doing here? This is my apartment. <laughs> That's Great. fantastic. Good moment. Right? And mm-hmm. it, was, it was real cool because... Uh, I had always been like dating somebody and same thing for her. She'd always been Mm -hmm. dating somebody over pretty much from like 2001 from when we met each other up Mm -hmm. to this was 2006, seven around there. And at that point we were both single and Mm -hmm. I was really into her from the day that I saw her again. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So over this course of like several years, did you still keep in touch or? Not, not, no, not really. We would like... Our, the friends whose apartment I thought it was uh-huh. that night, they had gotten married in 2004 in okay. Virginia, and I saw her at their wedding. Uh-huh. And so I, you know, it was like I would, she would kind of come into my life once yeah. in a while, but I hadn't seen her in like two years, right? Mm-hmm. And spoken with her. We just like, real quick, just, gosh, we just like fell in love like really fast. I remember wow. um, I really just fell for this woman, mm-hmm. and it was mutual. She, she just, was strongly connected to me. And, wow. But then I had this job that I had to go do in Japan. Oh, okay. So you have the job, but you have Michelle. Yeah. You both are madly in love with each other. Mm-hmm. So what do you do with this? Well, I had to make a choice. And actually, mm-hmm. there were a few minutes there when I was... More than a few minutes. <laughs> there, were, there were many days when I was like, I can't I can't go to Japan. Oh, wow. Like, I got to stay. Mm-hmm. I just met this woman and... But then the practical part of me was like, no, you, you, you said you were going to do this. Yeah. You want to, you want to travel. Mm-hmm. So we, we were dating. She was up in Boulder. I was okay. living in Denver and those two cities, they're not super far apart, but it okay. is about a 45 minute to an hour drive. Okay. So we were seeing each other quite a bit. And then I had to leave. It was, it was right around Valentine's day, mm. 2007. Okay. And so I got on that plane and I flew to Japan. Wow. And we say goodbye. But we were, I mean, we were in touch, mm-hmm. you know, a lot. Um, right. That was back in the day when you could get on Skype. Oh, yeah. And you could Skype with people. Oh, yeah. It was free. And it was amazing that you could get on and talk to somebody over right. Skype. Right. From anywhere in the world. So we would do that. We would Skype a little bit every day. And then on the weekends, we'd have these long phone conversations. Right. You know, and the time right. difference between Colorado and Japan is huge. It's like 14 to 16 hour different. Wow. Something like that. It's, it's a lot. It's, it's a huge difference in time. Mm-hmm. And so it'd be like really early in the morning mm-hmm. for me and like really? mid afternoon for her or like in the nice evening, you know, mm-hmm. and I would be the day um, after her, she did the day before me. Wow. So we had to line up all of these times, right? I right. always knew what time it was in Denver. Uh-huh. I have to do that little mental math. Oh, so yeah. we kept in touch and I was there for four months mm-hmm. and I didn't practice any yoga while I was there. It was really interesting. None at all. Mm-mm. No. How I, come you took a, took a break? I don't think it was like a conscious decision. Yeah. I was teaching, you know, English as a second language to okay. Japanese school children and mm-hmm. traveling a bunch on the weekends okay. and just kind of doing stuff. Right. Just exploring the yeah, yeah, exploring the culture and the food and trying to learn as much Japanese as I could and 
Uh, I don't know. It just, I, you know, actually during that time, I started running. Oh. And I wasn't a runner before okay. before that point. It was right. it was really weird how I just huh. like, I was like, I got to do something physical. Right. So I started running around the the town that I lived in. Okay. And I guess that was my physical <sighs> outlet. I would mm-hmm. take these long walks too okay. and just like listen to music and mm-hmm. and just like walk and explore. Right. Um but yeah, I don't I don't recall ever doing any yoga huh. practice while I was in Japan. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question? When you were out walking and really immersing yourself into uh, Japanese culture, mm-hmm. what was the soundtrack of your life? Like what were you listening to? Yeah. I remember listening to a bunch of Coldplay. Mm. Um Michelle really liked them. Okay. And I I thought they were a pretty cool band. You know, they were huge that time, right. like mid-2000s. And the guy that I worked with at the school, mm-hmm. he was another American. He, okay. like, loved this band, and he had so much of their music, and he shared all of it with me. Okay. So I, I had all of this music. And so I remember listening to a lot of their stuff. Right. Yeah. So when I hear a lot of those songs yeah. to this day, I... I I see Japan. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Uh-huh. But yeah, I think, yeah, that, that was like what I was listening to among other, a lot of other artists too, but that was kind of like the, sort of like the foundation of what music I was, I was partaking in. What a beautiful soundtrack, Mike. What is it about traveling that calls you? The sense of adventure, I think. Mm. That's why I wanted to go mm-hmm. do something completely different. Mm-hmm. Michelle and I were still very much in touch and just okay. talking all the time. Mm-hmm. And after four and a half months, okay. I came back to Colorado. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what did you do once you got back well, to to Colorado? Right. I, you know, I got back and, and Michelle and I just like jumped right back in to being together yeah. and like the relationship uh, deepened very quickly. And then mm. we, we moved in together. Wow. Like pretty quick. Mm-hmm. It was... I don't know, a couple months after I've been mm-hmm. back. It wasn't long. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about like what I'm going to do next. Right. With the education path that right. uh, my parents had been on with their professional careers, mm-hmm. you know, I was, I always kind of thought maybe I would go into the classroom and be a okay. teacher. So I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go and check out, you know, a graduate program in education. So I did that. Right. I looked into professional training for teachers at University of Colorado, Denver. Mm-hmm. And they had like a year, a year long program where you take graduate courses and get certified as a, as a public school teacher. Okay. So I did that in 2008. So I, yeah, I started in like in January and I was mm-hmm. certified by December. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I did student teaching in secondary language Uh, English language arts. Mm -hmm. And then I also did theater uh, teaching as well. I was able to do one of my student teaching modules at one of the most urban high schools in Denver at Aurora Central High School. You know, a lot of challenges uh, Mm -hmm. being a teacher in those schools, Mm -hmm. a lot of opportunities to like, you know, lift these kids and really inspire them to to value their education. Exactly. I, I was ready to do the job but then there was last minute there's like this interview at a school in aurora at mm-hmm. overland high school and i applied okay and they obviously loved me because they offered me the job and on the spot yeah overland high school in in aurora is probably i don't know if it still is but i think it's the most it is the most diverse high school 
uh, in Colorado. Mm. It's it's got black kids, white kids, Hispanic kids. There's kids from the Middle East. There's oh. kids from Asian descent families. Like mm-hmm. it's such a melting pot. Okay. And what's cool about that school is that there's no one like racial or ethnic group that is more than 50% of the school. Okay. So it felt like really like everyone's like here. Yeah. Like it looked like America to me. And so I was like, I got to go do that. Established program at a really large high school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I saw I, Unfortunately, I had to turn out the job at DPS, but I worked at Cherry Creek Public Schools at Overland. And I did that for three years. Mm-hmm. I directed super large program. Right. Did uh, two big shows a, a year, plus one act festival, plus mm-hmm. all of these smaller shows for the classroom uh, productions. It was it was a super busy job. And I, I felt like I worked for 10 years in those three years. <laughs> I worked 60 hour weeks consistently as a high school teacher. Standard. I mean, it's like if you're doing your job right, you're yeah. there a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. You ask any high school teacher who also does a big extracurricular. Right. Like if you're if you're the football coach right. or you're the, you know, you're the debate coach or you're the theater teacher or whatever it is, like right. you can put in outside of your classroom duties, you're putting in a lot of time. First of all, I hats off to all teachers, right? Because like these kids become your kids and they watch you, they learn from you. And a lot of times I feel you step in for the place of their parents sometimes. What is one of the things that that you learned from being a teacher? I think just that what you just mentioned, Mm -hmm. that sometimes as a teacher, you are the only adult Mm -hmm. in that child's life that has said one decent thing to them that whole year Mm. or however long it's been since like you were the one person that is um, lifting them up instead of putting them down. Mm. So Mm -hmm. it's a sacred job. Yeah. It it doesn't matter where you're teaching. If you're at a more affluent school, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's a hard time to be a human being. Adolescence is rough. Mm -hmm. But when, when you come from a less privileged background and you don't have, uh, parental support at home, it's a real hard time right. for some of these kids. So if you can be that, if you can be that one person yeah. that they trust and they are learning from and that they are learning their self-worth yeah. from, then you did a good job as a teacher. Mm. Um, yeah. There were a lot of those kids I taught who, who I hope that I had a hand in giving them, you know, some sort of future mm. and you don't know about, Right. Some of those kids, you know, the the payoff for teachers, mm-hmm. it is so delayed. Yeah. The, the gratification as a teacher is very delayed. Mm-hmm. But I think that those teachers who've been in the game, I was only a public school teacher for three years. I think the ones that stay in it a long time and then mm-hmm. see those people as adults mm-hmm. and remember back to possibly a very different yeah. future for those kids. Yeah. Then it like it's rewarding. It's right. like you know I had a hand in that. Yeah, yeah, and sure. I was able to steer them towards you know a better future. Right. Yeah, they want to see that for sure. They want to see that long game. It's for sure. Yeah, and because they have a passion for what they're teaching. You know, you mm-hmm. see, you know, my brother he teaches elementary school. Okay. He's passionate about a lot of different things, but mm-hmm. I think he loves learning. Yeah. 
and and kids. He's he's been teaching second and third grade for over twenty years. Oh my god! He just loves that age. Mm-hmm. That's how it was for me with with theater. I was I love theater and I love acting mm-hmm. and I love storytelling. Right. And um, I wanted to share that passion with these kids and mm-hmm. show them how to to use their voices, their bodies mm-hmm. to to tell stories and to move people. I love that. Yeah. So that's that's why I did it. But I got out because <laughs> yeah, as much as you loved it. Yeah, another transition for Mike. Um, so I mean, during that whole time when I was teaching in Aurora, um, mm-hmm. I you know Michelle and I got married. Okay. Um, in 2011. Okay. We were very much in love, and we were now a married couple. And mm-hmm. I, you know, as much as I love my job, it was also very stressful. And, right. And at that point, I was around. I don't know. I was like 30 something, I guess. Okay. Um, and I was like, well, you know what, if I'm going to go and do the next thing, mm-hmm. I want it to be in theater. And so many of my friends had gotten their MFA in acting. That's okay. the master of fine arts. So that's like the terminal degree okay. for an actor. Mm-hmm. You can get a PhD in theater, okay. but those people tend to be more like, um, they write about theater. They like, uh, they do dramaturgy, which is like they they help directors research plays. Okay, they, they work as like professors at you know theater. They don't necessarily teach acting. Gotcha. So the MFA okay. people are the ones who are like they go out and they they're professional actors. Mm-hmm. A lot of them also teach at the university level. So that was mm-hmm. kind of my, my goal was like if I can get a spot in an MFA program, okay, then I'll be able to not only be a professional actor, but mm-hmm. I'll also be able to apply for adjunct professor positions okay. mm-hmm. at, at different colleges. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the university university system now in America is like, there's so many people who are adjunct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you're trying to find that professorship job. That's mm-hmm. kind of like the, the gold ring. Right. And so I auditioned for um, a bunch of different colleges at once in New York mm-hmm. in 2012. Okay. And that was in like, like late winter. Mm-hmm. And I got some callbacks to right. some schools and I met with some people okay. and I kind of narrowed down between University of California, okay. uh, Long Beach. Oh, and that's, yeah. So that was like a program that I was really interested in. It was a two year MFA. And then okay. the other one was in London. Oh, so which one did you, which one did you choose? Well, I called Michelle and I was like, I got a spot. Yeah. At East 15, and she's like, oh, my God, in London? And I said, yeah. And she's like, all right, let's talk about it tonight. So we, wow. we chatted that night, mm-hmm. and we, I was like, should we do this? Should we? Should we? we didn't own a house at that point. We had okay. children. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of cats. In- I was going to say, do you have any pets? <laughs> <laughs> so, so we talked about it, and... I was like, shoot, let's do it. Do you want to go? Wow. Do you want to go to London for a couple of years? And she's like, yes, let's go. Oh, the venture continues. So we, so we like made plans mm-hmm. to, I had to resign at work and mm-hmm. that was a whole big thing, but it was fine. Like all the kids were like, whoa, right. they were so shocked that I wanted to leave. There, mm-hmm. there were a lot of tears and stuff, but right. like, you know, they were going to be fine. And, uh, <laughs> Michelle like had to like wrap up things with work and mm-hmm. she didn't have a job at that point where she was like felt like she was leaving some sort of career okay behind so right. she was fine just like picking up and going yeah, she's so like had, i'm down to go yeah big mm-hmm. time. 
you know, we, we both had wanted to travel and yeah. go live abroad. And this is our chance to go do that. Wow. So we packed up all of our stuff, put a lot of stuff in storage. And mm-hmm. then other things went to my siblings okay. that were in the Denver area. Yep. And we left in September. Wow. And moved to London. Oh, and we lived there my. for two years. What? Yeah. While well, I got my master's degree in acting. Wow. Yeah. Like that's incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, it goes back to... I mean, first of all, you amaze me. That's good. (laughs) And just to pick up and just say, okay, I have this opportunity. I'm going to go again and find out where this path of the journey, what this door is going to lead us to. Mm -hmm. And it impresses me about Michelle too, that she's like, okay, let's go. Let's just do this and and find out where the universe is leading us. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. (laughs) Like it wasn't that... Anxiety provoking. Yeah. I think some people would be like, God, that's like so anxious. Yeah. To me that you would just pick up and pick up and go. But it was really exciting for us. And we were there for two years and we loved it. We traveled extensively throughout Europe. What was your favorite place in Europe? Oh, it's hard. Everyone asked me that. Mm-hmm. I, I it's hard to pick, but I really like the southern part of Portugal. Ooh. It's called the Algarve. Okay. And it's like a province of southern Portugal. Mm-hmm. So it's right on the water. Mm. And the main city is Faro. Okay. And it's just a beautiful seaside city. Right. Just medium size, not huge. Okay. Um, a lot of amenities, great food. The Portuguese culture is, is very laid back and focused on family mm-hmm. and they have great wine <laughs> there. <laughs> and they keep most of it. We, we learned that they keep all of their good wine and they export everything else. That's great. <laughs> There. We were there over Christmas, one of the years that we were there, mm-hmm. and we stayed with this woman, Lilia, in her Airbnb, mm-hmm. and she was so gracious and so hospitable, and she just really wanted to share her culture with us. Mm-hmm. So she would she would cook meals for us, and we would I mean, we would like help her prepare, right? And then she would invite like her friends over to wow. meet these Americans that wow. were staying with her. That's cool, and they were just super fun people and. Uh, just wanted to practice their English with us. And, oh, cool. And we would just hang out and talk. And it was such a great trip. It was, right. we took a lot of those trips where we would leave London and go somewhere. That was probably one of my favorites. And can I ask you, did you get the good wine? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right on. Yeah, you gotta be a perfect <laughs> to get the good wine. <laughs> they have these other little tours you can try that like, the grandma made like in the kitchen. Oh, you know, like the best stuff. Yes. Yeah. We just, we just loved, it was just an amazing place to be. It just felt so easy to travel there. Right. And, um, I go back in a heartbeat. I just Mm, love it. Right. Um, second favorite, we studied for a month in Russia. Oh, so we went to Moscow and I lived in, I lived in Moscow for a month. Oh, wow. And we trained with, uh, Russian tutors, oh my gosh. actors and directors. Mm. We did, um, uh, we worked as a part of, it's, it's called the, um, the Russian Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts. Okay. In, in Cyrillic, it translates, it's like, um, you write it out, it looks like Gitis. It's oh, how it's oh, G-I-T-I-S. Okay. But that's, that's like the translation in Russian, I think. Okay. So I worked there for a month and it was in the dead of winter. But how does one find this even exists? The people that ran the university in London, okay. they they had the director of our program. He had ties with 
Russian people okay. who were working in Moscow mm-hmm. and they had done cultural exchange between, okay. you know, actors had gone to train in London and others had gone back to, to Moscow. And a lot of Americans actually do train in Russia okay. for like an intensive like month. Okay. There's also the Moscow Art Theater is the other really famous one. Okay. Mahat. That's what that one is. Okay. And we were just at the other one. We were in Edis. And we were there. It was January. So the middle of winter. Mm-mm. And it was so cold. Mm-mm. Like people in Minnesota here, like <laughs> it's cold here, but it's a whole next level cold. I can't even imagine. It is so cold. It So it never got, for the first three weeks, it never, in, in Fahrenheit, it never okay. got above zero. Oh man! Even during the day, at night it was like it would drop even further. You would go out, oh and within thirty seconds, you were like super cold, and oh. you're just like walking to get to the metro. Wow! To get on that train, so you wouldn't have to be outside anymore. And I complain here about the Minnesota winters, so I guess we shouldn't even complain about about this because I'm sure it's nothing compared. <laughs> yeah, so that's I mean the the weather is a huge deal there, uh-huh. but the training that we received as part of my degree program in Russia was incredible. The Russian theater is unparalleled. Wow, the way that they the way that they do theater there, I mm-hmm. ne- I never thought that theater could be done like that. Really, what's the difference? Just they they completely explode your expectations of what huh. a play looks like. Right. They just like they think you know outside of the box huh. in every decision that they make. They they're like, how could we do this but completely flip it flip it on its head? Okay. Um, the use of scenery and props and music and movement. Huh. The movement is the huge part. The okay. actors over there are are extremely trained. In physical theater, okay. So they have they have, they they are able to manipulate their bodies in so many interesting ways okay. that are great to watch. Right. They also take traditional texts, like we saw a lot of Shakespeare when we were there. Huh. The, we saw a five-hour Othello. Wow! And it was insane. Really? I mean, they had to have two intermissions because it was so long. Wow! And so we were at the theater for five hours that night, and. But did it feel like five hours? No, it didn't because it was like captivating the whole yeah. time. You sit there and you were just drawn in yeah. visually. And it's all in Russian too, right? Mm. And I, I don't speak any Russian, but mm-hmm. I didn't care. It didn't matter because it was like, I knew the story. Yeah. And and I knew, I generally knew the sequence of the scenes. And okay. I knew who the characters were. So I knew what was going to happen. Right. And that helped a lot. Because mm-hmm. um, we saw another play that, that <laughs> I, we, it was, it was called the, uh, it was some Italian farce okay. and we didn't quite know the plot. So yeah. we were like sitting there with and it was like all this crazy stuff. <laughs> and they were all laughing. Yeah. The audience was all laughing and me and my friends, we were just like, why is this funny? <laughs> did you laugh? Did you, yeah. Did you laugh too? Well, just we because. Just, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so seeing Russian theater mm-hmm. and seeing, we saw the ballet when we were there. We saw okay. the Bolshoi. Oh. And do the Bolshoi. Wow. And saw Russian ballet. It's just the artistry and mm-hmm. the commitment by the performers. It's mm-hmm. just incredible. Right. It's just incredible. I mean, there are so many great American performers. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. There's great art being done right. in this country. But I just never seen it done in that way. It just blew my mind. Huh. Yeah. Is there anything that you took from what you learned there? I, I think just, I think the level of commitment that mm-hmm. the actors have over there and the the structure Mm -hmm. i i think that just having a wholehearted commitment to your craft whatever you're all in 
that's kind of the big takeaway I took from training in Russia is if you really go that extra mile with your work, you -hmm. will be just amazed at what the product is right when you come to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of the big thing that I took away from being there. Right. Yeah. And the physical training was, it was, it was like calisthenics. There's so many questions, right. (laughs) That I want to ask you. So I'm just going to get into like, uh, some questions that I was thinking about. Okay. We all love it's hot. Okay. Okay. So what is it about yoga that called you like to become a yoga instructor? What, what was it? I think it was just being at the right place at the right time. So Mm -hmm. after we came back from doing my training, Mm -hmm. getting my master's degree, Michelle got pregnant right away in Denver Mm -hmm. in 2014. Yeah. Our daughter was born in 2015 in March and we were still in Denver and um, trying to be an actor, trying to figure out where we were going to go. But having a family now at that point, uh, you know, kind of shifted everything. Gears got shifted quickly, Mm -hmm. um, which was fine. We were very excited to for Michelle to be pregnant mm-hmm. we weren't planning on that mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but we were ecstatic when we right. found out that we were having a girl and so we were in Denver we were living in a one-bedroom apartment okay you know we were both trying to figure out how do we work to make enough money to you know to pay the bills yeah. also be with this baby mm-hmm. so neither of us was working full-time mm. Michelle worked part-time I worked part-time oh we did a split schedule. She'd work okay. four days a week. I'd work three days a week. Mm-hmm. We'd have our, our evenings together. All okay. Us. So we did that for a while and it was fine. And it was really lovely that we each got our time mm-hmm. with the baby. But we were living in this one bedroom apartment in Denver. And it really wasn't a spot for like to thrive as a family. Yeah. And so we started looking around and uh, my good friend who is the managing director at Rochester Civic Theater, mm-hmm. she, she's from Rochester originally. She had moved out to Colorado. I met her at CU Boulder when we did my, when I did my bachelor's degree. Okay. She had come back to Rochester. Ah. She brought her family back here and they bought a home and mm-hmm. she wanted to be close to her family and stuff. And when I had been talking with Misha, she was like, if you guys are thinking about moving out of Denver, mm-hmm. you should consider coming up here. <sighs> She's like, it's good for, for families. You know, Mayo is here if you want to work for them. Mm-hmm. But just consider it. And so we started looking all over the country. Upstate New York was a place. Maine mm-hmm. was another place we were considering. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't Denver at that time. We felt yeah. like we got to go. Yeah. And so we, we came. Michelle had a job interview at RCTC at the community college. Uh-huh. And she came up we came up all three of us right and she interviewed she got the job mm-hmm. and we made the decision like if you get a job we're, we're gonna right. go mm-hmm. so yet again we picked up and we went wow and we like sold a ton of stuff packed up what we felt like was essential yeah. and we moved into a a condo in southwest rochester mm. and we lived, lived there for a year right and she was working i was at home with the baby wow and I started volunteering at, at Mayo Clinic mm-hmm. and I quickly got my 50 hours right. so I could join the Dulk. <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what the Dulk is, it would be the Dan Abrams Healthy Living Center. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Dulk. <laughs> the dulk. So, I mean, it's like, it's for what you get at, at, at the Dan. It is incredible, like the value. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that was my quickest way into to membership God, yeah. was being a volunteer. Okay. So I started going to yoga 
Once again, I, I've been practicing off and on for many years. Okay. Kind of practicing on my own. Mm-hmm. But then when I started going to the Dulk, I just connected with two teachers in particular, oh, yeah. Stephanie mm-hmm. and Laurel. Mm. And, and then Michelle soon got a job at Mayo. So then she was a member as well. And nice. we just started going to their classes a lot as much mm-hmm. as we could. And just one thing, one thing led to another. Um, I was doing different work right. in Rochester, trying to figure out what I was going to do here. Mm-hmm. Um, I was briefly in real estate. <laughs> um, and, and then I got out of that pretty quickly uh-huh. because it was just not for me. And I right. just didn't want to do the hustle. Yeah. And the week that I left Remax, Stephanie approached me and said, we're going to, the Dulk is offering uh, a yoga teacher training Wow! next spring. Okay. It's 16 weeks. Mm. It's a 200 hour yoga teacher certification. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was like, this is like the universe is just yeah. like lining up yeah. in the right way. Yep. And I had always wanted to get yoga teacher trained, mm-hmm. but it never, like, it was yeah. never the right time. Yep. I was always like, I was teaching theater or I was going to graduate school mm-hmm. or this baby is born. Yeah. There was always something yeah. kind of like making it go on the back burner. Right? right. And then it was, it was there. Wow. And I was like, yeah, wow. let's do this. I think there were 12 of us that mm-hmm. did the 200-hour training. Then, So we would go at 5 a.m. That's early. Mm. Mm. Go, it started at 5.30, but okay. you were encouraged to come early to sit. Okay. In the room and just meditate and just kind of get, get ready. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, from 5 to 7.30 each morning, mm-hmm. we were training and learning. And I loved it. It was great. Incredible teachers. Right. Stephanie Sutherland and Laurel Padilke Smith are just master teachers, Absolutely. master yogis. Mm-hmm. Our training was more than just learning the postures mm-hmm. and learning how to teach them. It was a class in how to be so mindful of your language and mm. your, your word choice, mm-hmm. and that everything that you are doing in class is is an adjustment for your students. It is wow. going to inform the way that they practice. Right. So I, then Laurel is the master of, of public speaking and mm-hmm. learning how to deliberately choose words. I love that. Yeah. I, I'm going to say thank you to Misha. <laughs> thank you to Stephanie. Thank you to Laurel. Thank you for getting Mike here. <laughs> yeah. uh, because, you know, as a, uh, a yoga student, you know, I, it's so enlightened. I want to say when I come to your classroom and you talk about deliberate word choices and being deliberate with your actions, you're very just mindful of the space. You're mindful of the students who inhabit your space and you make us all feel really welcome from the beginner uh, yoga student to someone who's been practicing for 20 years. And uh, I also love the way that when we come into the class, you have us focus on ourselves. It's like, you know, yes, there may be 25 other bodies in the room, but where your journey lies is right with you on your mat. This is your journey. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that, you know, as a yoga student. Why do you feel that people are drawn to yoga? 
for so many different reasons. Mm-hmm. I I think that it's possibly the one thing that's been missing from their life mm. that's allowing them to feel more at peace, mm-hmm. more whole. Mm. It's 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 a consistent practice that is good for their body, mm-hmm. is good for their mind, and good for their spirit. Okay, you know, it yoga means to yoke. It means to bring all of these things together mm-hmm. into one. You have these physical practices, the asanas, the, mm-hmm. the postures. Okay. And you have the breath practice. Mm-hmm. And that kind of like links into your your spirit. Inspiration, like spiritus, is the is the Latin root, mm-hmm. which is also the root for spirit. So mm-hmm. inspiration, right? Inspiration. You're you're taking breath in. Mm-hmm. You're loading your body up with oxygen so that you can have a functional mind so your body can process things, but also because oxygen makes you inspired, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. at the the chemical level. Right. It really does. It allows you to be inspired. I think that so many students have traumas in their past, mm-hmm. both physical and mental Mm-hmm. and are kind of broken. Life is hard for many people. And I think yoga can be part of their journey back to wholeness. People who come into a yoga class and find if the physical, like the exercise benefits, mm-hmm. that's like the first level, right? They come in and they go, I feel really good. I feel like I'm stretching my muscles. Mm-hmm. I'm getting some more strength into my body, you know, getting more lean, mm-hmm. you know, some people come in cause they want to lose some weight and they're like, I'm losing some weight. Cause you know, I'm doing this yoga practice, mm-hmm. especially if you're doing like a, like a power yoga, yeah, something where you're really sweating. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's all these ways that people come into it, but then once they realize the, the further benefits from just the, right. just the physical body benefits, mm-hmm. then they go, the light kind of comes on and they right. go, Oh, I'm finding all these connections between the quieting that I feel in my mental process. Mm-hmm. Like I can actually kind of just sit and just breathe. Right. And my mind, it wanders, but I can realize that I'm not being mindful of this moment right. and I can come back. Huh. And that's why I say that a lot in class. That is the practice mm-hmm. is realizing that you were somewhere else mm-hmm. and then you come back. Yeah. And that's mindfulness, right? Right. I'm being mindful right now in this moment. And then the whole spiritual side of of yoga is, you know, it's it's undeniable. You know, people feel a connection to their their greater self. Mm -hmm. That's what I like to say. There's something outside of your own physical body. There's something outside of your own breath. And whatever that is, for some people, it's, it's some sort of organized religion or some people it's I feel a connection to a higher Mm -hmm. sense of purpose. I I think yoga can also deepen that practice too. Right. Um, If you find that you are more connected to your sense of self and your higher purpose or whatever that is for you. um, I think yoga can also bridge that for some people. My heart just went explosion. (laughs) (laughs) But but that was really beautifully said, Mike. Okay, let me just sit in this moment. (laughs) 
listeners, just give me a moment. <laughs> My heart just did a little explosion. We'll take it. <laughs> a little confetti. <laughs> you talk a lot in yoga about the breath practice. Why is breathing so important? Well, I mean, at the, the biological level, you have to get oxygen into your tissues. Mm-hmm. And you have to expel carbon dioxide. Okay. So if you're going to be doing a physical practice like yoga... You want to be f- controlling the breath and focusing on on that diaphragmatic breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very important to to make sure that you are getting as much nourishment into your tissues as possible, and oxygen is the vehicle for that, right? Right. So on that level, it's very important. I think on the yoking side, we talked about yoga mm-hmm. meaning yoking. Mm-hmm. I think linking your breath to what your body is physically doing in that moment mm-hmm. can be very helpful. For instance, in the type of yoga that a lot of people are familiar with, uh, vinyasa mm-hmm. yoga, which is flowing yoga. Mm-hmm. One posture is performed on the in-breath. Mm-hmm. And then the next pose is on the out-breath. Mm-hmm. And then you move into the next one on the next inhale. And then you go into the fourth posture on the exhale. Okay. It's a way of beautifully flowing one posture into the next using okay. the breath mm-hmm. and uh, contracting the body between the poses. Okay. Uh, during class, sometimes you mention, and you've mentioned MC Yogi. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, who is MC Yogi? Like I started to listen to some of his his music. Yeah. And the music is really good. Yeah, he's he's exceptional. If you guys haven't listened to MC Yogi and you're looking to add something to uh, mm. another musical component to your yoga practice, I would encourage you to listen to MC Yogi and you can find him on iTunes because that's where I found him on yeah. iTunes. Yeah. What is it about MC Yogi that inspires you? When I practiced with him, I, I took one of his workshops. Okay. And... Before that, I just listened to his music. Okay. And I just thought it was cool that he mixed yoga and hip hop. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> I thought that was super cool that, mm-hmm. that someone could do that. Mm-hmm. And But when I met him and when I, when I practiced with him, when he taught our class, mm-hmm. I really was inspired by his sense of humor mm. and his willingness to be playful in class. Right. He plays a lot of popular music in his classes. He'll play like funk or rap or rock Mm -hmm. or R&B, whatever he, you know, puts into the the soundscape. Mm -hmm. It just feels right. Mm -hmm. And it adds a a level of ease Mm -hmm. and playfulness to the practice. And he's like telling jokes as he's teaching and people are laughing and smiling and being joyful. And I think that's a the side of yoga that some people don't ever experience mm-hmm. with their yoga teachers mm-hmm. because they maybe if they think it's supposed to be like some kind of Zen environment, which is, there's a time and a place for that. Mm-hmm. You can have both. I think he wrote a book about his life growing up and learning, learning yoga. Mm-hmm. It's called spiritual graffiti. It's a really good read. It's, it's super simple. It's easy to get through, but it's a really cool story. It takes the genre into a different vein. I like that. Yeah. And uh, the one thing that I had written down from MC Yogi is that hip hop, because I always said, how does hip hop blend with yoga? And he says, hip hop works well together because ultimately hip hop and yoga, they both serve the human culture. And I was like, boom. What things you've learned, uh, I guess, in the past year, would you mind sharing about your beautiful wife, Michelle? Yeah. Yeah, of course. 
Okay. Yeah. So, so Michelle, um, she, she was diagnosed with, with metastatic cholangiocarcinoma, which okay. is, you know, it's, it's inoperable mm-hmm. stage four cancer of the bile ducts. So the bile ducts are these slender tubes that come out of your liver mm-hmm. and they, they just, they take bile out of the liver and put it into your small intestine. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get cancer there, it's, it's pretty problematic because it's, um, it's usually not discovered until you're stage four. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. CCA mm-hmm. is the kind of acronym for cholangiocarcinoma. Mm-hmm. Um, she was diagnosed in, uh, let's see, that was September of 2021. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Right, right around Labor Day. Okay. Yeah. September 10th. That's right. Um, she was diagnosed and, there wasn't much that they could do for her. It was already metastatic. It was, mm-hmm. she had spots in her lungs and it was in her abdomen as well, outside of the liver. And she did the best that she could. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she succumbed and died to the, the cancer uh, in November. It was on Thanksgiving day mm-hmm. of 2021. It's a very quick um, journey for her. You know, imagine uh, being a very vital and strong yeah. person and then having really nondescript abdominal symptoms, nothing severe, mm-hmm. um, just for a month or two and then going in and getting a blood test and then mm-hmm. having scans done and then being told that you've got this large mass in your liver. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was 11 weeks <sighs> from her diagnosis to her death. Wow. Um, so it really, it really changed mm-hmm. um, my life. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine, yeah. um, my daughter, she's just seven. She'll be eight on the 21st. Mm-hmm. So she was just about six and a half when her mom died. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the big thing, yeah. <laughs> you know, in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, she, uh, she was a yogi and a, a big proponent of, of mindfulness practices as well. She, she practiced... Uh, Different forms of yoga. She loved to chant and listen to a lot of kirtan. She also loved MC Yogi. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, she was the one that actually was like, MC's doing a, a, a workshop in Denver. We're going to be there. You, you need to go. <laughs> and so I went, you know, mm. and that was cool. She was always encouraging me to, to keep practicing. And she learned and practiced TRE, which is trauma intention releasing exercises. Mm. Um, she learned that from this man, Dr. David Bruselli. Okay. He developed this these exercises. Um, it's it's a therapeutic for people who have been through extreme trauma or have been through no serious traumas in life, but have some tension in their physical bodies and just want to release them. She learned this practice from him and other people who have learned it over the last 20 to 30 years. Mm-hmm. And she became a TRE practitioner wow. at the end of her life. She worked with some people, not too many. The goal was always to to take it further. I am currently kind of carrying that torch now. Mm. I am in the middle of a certification, a dual certification with, with TRE and neurogenic yoga, which is... So TRE, what it does is that you you do these exercises, these physical exercises, and you're stretching and you're fatiguing the major muscles of the legs mm-hmm. and of the core. Okay. Um, and it's very methodical. What happens when you when you mildly stress the body, 
you activate the central nervous system like slightly in a safe way. Mm-hmm. And what happens, and it's really cool, you get on your back mm-hmm. in a semi-supine position, just on your back with your knees up, mm-hmm. and your legs start to shake. <laughs> mm. You start to tremor. Right. It's really incredible. It's it's something that all mammals do. Mm-hmm. All mammals tremor when they've got, been through a trauma. Um, you'll see what people like right after a car accident. Or something. You'll see some people, they're shaking like a leaf. Mm-hmm. That's a natural response. That's the central nervous system discharging mm. the um, the energy that was built up in that fight or flight response. Ah. Okay, that's the central nervous system just amping up. Mm-hmm. And then the body's holding it. Yeah. And then it shakes and shivers. Yeah. And it's very natural to do that. Hmm. Um, so this is a safe way of eliciting the tremor response. So I'm learning right now, um, how to do the, how to teach the exercises safely. And then also how to develop a yoga practice, a short yoga practice, about 30 minutes. Okay. And you get, you get the practitioner and the, the participant down on the floor and you just observe them and tremor and you, Hmm. you question, you ask them, you know, how you feel, what are you, what are you noticing? Where do you feel the tremors? You know, mm-hmm. do you feel safe? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm getting that certification right now. I'll be able to to work with clients um, wow. probably by the end of May. Wow. Um, doing TRE. Okay. Or neurogenic yoga. Okay. Yeah. So it's like a trauma sensitive yoga. Form. Okay. Yeah. And then you would practice that um, in a hospital setting or you could practice that? Some, some people do work. In a healthcare setting with okay. that, um, it's a it's a possibility for me. Okay, um, we'll see. Yeah. So something that Michelle like started. Yes. And wow, I was thinking of ways to kind of honor the legacy that she created in her life, mm. and this is one of those ways. Wow, Mike, yeah. how beautiful! Thank you. Mm. Heavy stuff. It's heavy. Know? But you know the journey continues. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, um, and it's one of those things that I I think about too, that even though our loved ones have passed in the physical, Mm -hmm. spiritual essence, the spirit of who they are is still here in love, Mm. always here. And I think too, and I've spoken to, maybe I've spoken about this before, but I really think our worlds, the spiritual and the physical worlds are not so far apart Mm than what we think. I I really believe like, you know, our loved ones are here and, and Michelle's like, you take this torch and you mm-hmm. you continue this on. Yeah. No, I think so. I think that, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. And um, she wasn't an overly sentimental person. Mm-hmm. In, in her will, she actually said, you can have 30 minutes to socialize after my funeral and then you have to go home. <laughs> 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 you know? She would say things when she knew that she was going to die. She Mm -hmm. would say things to us like, please don't be sad for too long, Mm. you know? Um, And so I think about that a lot when, um, when I get sentimental about her and when I, when I am grieving her, obviously, you know, it's, it's been, it was like 15 months Mm. on the 25th Mm. of this last month. Um, You know, I still mark those, those months. Yeah. milestones um it, it's it's not even been two year you know year and a half yeah. um i think about what she said about like don't be too sad for too long you know mm-hmm. she didn't want us to deny the way that we felt mm-hmm. um and we obviously were all 
me and her siblings, her mother, yeah. my siblings, all of her friends. Yeah. Um, we were all in turmoil mm-hmm. over what happened to her. Yeah. But I don't think that she would want any of us to to wallow, you know, and to get stuck mm. in that place of grief. There are moments. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. For and sure. anyone out there that's that's lost someone. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, I feel you. <laughs> yeah, you have your moments, and you yeah. you take those moments. Yeah, because they are part of the process. You are going to be incredibly sad. Yeah, um, but you can come back, and you have to because life life must continue, and there are there the journey is not over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I say this at the end of all my classes, and I I don't know where I heard it or if it was just something I developed on my own. I mean, it comes from, from being a yoga teacher is the idea of seva, which is service. Mm. You know, we, we are, we're all yoga teachers because we're serving our students. And I always say we are, we are all here in service of ourselves so that we can be effective in service to others. That's, that's one of my central tenets is that we are all, we're all in this together. We're all serving each other. But if you aren't serving yourself yeah. so that you are vital and strong and flexible and full of prana energy, that, that breath energy, you ain't going to be serving anyone. Amen. <laughs> you Amen. Know? So yeah. you got you to gotta make sure that you are that foundational rock um, so that you can be of service mm. to others. Because we're all going to be going through something yeah. in our lives. You know, everyone, no one is immune yeah. to grief. That's true. You know, we're all going to lose people that we love. Right. Um, that is what makes us all human is that yeah. we all have this universal experience. Yeah. So if we can all recognize that and serve each other in those ways and, mm-hmm. and be there for one another, mm-hmm. then that's a beautiful thing. And if, if yoga does that for you, yeah. it it makes you a powerful person and strong and flexible and vital, but also creates a community where you can, where you can do that with other people. Yeah. And it's just another community builder. Mm-hmm. It's another great um, part of yoga. Yeah. Is the community that comes together to practice together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what you're talking about a little yeah. bit where people have different journeys for sure. And they have different pains. They have different traumas and different griefs that they're bringing in. Mm-hmm. And even if it's unspoken, yeah. we can feel it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. For <laughs> sure. And um, I honestly can't thank you enough. This felt like a yoga class like, <laughs> to me. Great. Um, I really want to say thank you, you know, from the bottom of my heart for coming and sitting with me today and sharing your story, mm-hmm. sharing your journey, sharing your words, uh, sharing your encouragement mm-hmm. uh, with not only me, but the listeners as well. And I feel so blessed to have happened upon your class that day. And I know that everything that we experience, the good, the bad, the indifferent, you know, shapes who we are. But I also know that no, nothing is a coincidence Mm -hmm. that I was supposed to come into your class that day and I will be forever, you know, grateful. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I just thank you from the bottom of my heart, my Mike, pleasure. and thank course, you for being such an amazing yoga teacher. 
Thank you. You got it. Yeah. This was fun. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. And now I know like my son who has taken your class before, he's going to be really jealous. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to be like, you got a chance to sit with Mike. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I hope to see him back soon. That was a lot of fun seeing you with him. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was a great experience for for me to share. Yeah. You know. I love when the students bring their children in and practice. It's they they're so proud. Yeah. You can yeah. see it all over their their being, just bursting with pride that that the next generation wants to come that's and it. practice what they've learned. Exactly. It's so big. Yeah. That's yeah, that's that's my son. Like he's just like, yes. This was so relaxing. He said to me, he goes, this was the best class. Never took a, you know, yoga class like that ever. Yeah. But he was like, this was amazing. So thank you for this amazing experience, yeah, Mike. of course. Yeah. Thank awesome. you, my friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>